Welcome to the Cutaways Podcast Bonus Edition. After Dark. No, not After, after Dark. dark. <laughs> We've done that already. Yeah. This is Bonus Time. Sweet. I'm Justine. And I'm Ashley. We're joined by a special guest. Hankley. We're going to answer listener questions. Here they come. Oh my God, I'm so excited. It's the mail. And it's nervous. <gasps> Cutaways edition mail time mail time this first question is from the what were they thinking podcast (laughs) this question is since you're both editors and you're included in this too what are the best and worst edited movies you've ever seen oh Hmm. i i was just talking about this with a co-worker recently i can't say the you know the best edited of all time but a film I always like to tell people to watch just because it did some it had some interesting editorial moments is Steven Soderbergh's The Limey mm-hmm. because it has all those great bits of dialogue where they jump around in time but the dialogue continues in those other scenes so they're finishing one sentence and picking or picking up the middle of a sentence in a totally different place sometimes out of time yeah sometimes with reverse time and there's a lot of these these great ways of taking what would ordinarily just be droning exposition mm-hmm. and and making it visually interesting and then there are other times where uh, there's the the great scene where uh, the lead character in looking for his lost daughter he shows up at this warehouse and he goes in and they they beat him to hell yeah. and throw him out nah, they don't he doesn't take that much of a beating he takes enough of a beating and it's all in wide shot he gets thrown on the ground he pops back up into camera frame and then he walks off to the distance back into the warehouse and you're just seeing the outside of the warehouse it's all in wide shot. And it's all done with sound design, as you just hear. He is unleashing hell on all nice. of them. And then he comes back out, and he's a little more you know, ruffled, but he has just taught these guys who they're messing with. <laughs> and no cuts. It's just one continuous shot, and it just shows you don't need... Like sometimes the best the action, action or the the mm-hmm. most exciting and, and all that tension can be held in just a single moment like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And and also the the sex scene in Out of Sight. Oh, the, yes, that is a one of that whole thing in the trunk of the car, mm-hmm. and then them going on the date. The way that's intercut. Another, I really like Soderbergh, I guess. Yes. But uh, the way Soderberg. that's intercut, it's so much sexier than a full on, like going straight to the like. Let's get some hot shots of the small of her back, and the moonlight will glisten off the nape of his neck. Like, yeah. eh. I don't want to see them grinding on each other. Mm-hmm. Show the tension it's between the two of them. all about the sexual tension. Yeah. Yeah. Bad movie, it's hard to make a judgment on what was edited because you're not seeing all of the, the material for yeah. me. Like, it's so hard. Like, I don't know what they had. This could have been a lot worse for all I know. Yeah. <laughs> and this was the best that they did. But I, honestly, the, the movie that I have hated the most because of the editing choices and because of the story was in my Shyamalan movie. <laughs> Which one? Uh, his Avatar movie. Uh, so he had such great source material. Oh, Avatar, The Last yeah. Airbender or whatever that's the called? The Last Airbender. Yeah, so I, I, I watched the cartoon. I loved the cartoon. The anime was great. It's not really an anime, I guess. But it was absolutely wonderful. The source material was great. You had the story pieces. It's really easy to translate. He took it and made it this weird like conversation starter about race and he changed mm. all of their names and everything. And I'm, for me, that's like the epitome of bad editing because you took something that was so good and it's source material and 
something that would be really easy to translate because it's an animated movie. So you already have the pl- plot points into a live action movie and it was absolutely terrible. Yeah. And you couldn't even edit correctly in certain scenes. Like you weren't getting the emotional responses of this kid dealing with the fact that he is the last person that survived. Yeah, the source material wasn't broken and didn't need fixing, no. so you decided to fix it. Yeah, yeah. You shyamalan it yeah. for no reason. So that's what I think is the worst. What's I, the best is so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I can never say this is the yeah. the absolute best, but I, I, I do That connects admire, with you on an editing yeah. level, yeah. I mean, if, if you notice the editorial, yeah. then it's not good editing. There's like, again, it you're depends. right, you don't know what they work, but if you, yeah. if you can, if it's... If there are moments where you get pulled out of the story because there was an obvious insert shot yeah. that didn't, you know, that didn't fit or there's major continuity issues. I mean, that stuff is that's unfortunate because you can it, more often than not, that's not the editor saying, eh, I don't care. I didn't notice the um, the vase jumping all over the table or whatever it yeah. was. It was. Oh God! This is the this is it. These are the takes we have, and you either you make that decision between do I go with visually what you know I as the editor notice most, or do you go with the uh, with the best take? And yeah. that was I, I remember reading on uh, Holy Grail, the Pythons would uh, the two Terrys used were arguing with um, John Cleese and Michael Palin pretty regularly because from a directorial perspective, they were really focused on certain cinematography mm-hmm. and framing of things. And Michael Palin and John Cleese both felt like, you know, it's a silly comedy. We should we should be erring on the side of whichever take worked best where the acting was at and they they struggle with a lot of that which is interesting because then terry gilliam went on to have so many huge fights with studios Mm -hmm. about the editing yeah Mm -hmm. right so that's an interesting that he he's he has a that visual take he's Mm -hmm. just such a visual person and so that's my take on if i had to really throw one out right off the top of my head that i i i don't love from a stylistic standpoint, people seem to love or hate Romeo and Juliet, the um, the, the Baz 90s Lerman Baz Luhrmann, and that was one of those this frenetic kinetic editing yeah. that I didn't think it, uh, to me that just I didn't like that that method of storytelling the like high intensity short attention span the quick cut quick cutting mm-hmm. and the motion ramping and all that stuff it just it didn't work for me but I think in terms of the universe he was setting up it makes sense yeah. but it just isn't my your shtick. My, yeah, I just, I, I didn't love it. Yeah, it's not, it's, for me, I like jump cuts and I, I like having sometimes the edit, editing being noticed a little bit. Sure. For it to be a story, but for it to be used as a story point. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like when people are like, uh, like, I love Kelly Dixon's style of editing with Breaking Bad with all the disjointedness of yes. everything. So I'm like, oh my God, you are my editing idol kind of thing. So it's so hard to, to think of, in comparison, because it's such a subjective medium, yeah. because it's not supposed to be noticed. Right. Mm-hmm. But then when it is noticed, it better be a purpose behind it for me. Yeah. Okay, this next question is from Podstalgic, which is Peter. Peter. Hi, Peter. Which movie of the ones you've reviewed would the three of us be in, and what characters would we play? I think Peter wants to be a love interest. I think he does, too. He can be your love interest. I have Sam. <laughs> Oh, I'm he the w- single one. He it could be uh, when Harry met Sally. And he could be Carrie Fisher. He could be Carrie. <laughs> well, he could be Carrie Fisher too if he wants to be. <laughs> but you could be Carrie Fisher and. Uh, You'd be Bruno Kirby. Yeah. 
He be Bruno Kirby? Or you, whoever. You, I'm not <laughs> you like, can be putting Bruno a gender, Kirby. gender stereotype here. <laughs> baby fish mouth, baby yeah. fish mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your final casting? I want to be Harry. You're Harry. I'm Harry. And I'm Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. And Peter is Bruno Kirby. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> okay. I hope he likes that one. From Film Roast Podcast, we have a question. Who is your powerful lady character icon and why? Ooh, that's some deep digging. Let me think. <laughs> well, of course, mine is Buffy. Yeah. Like, no oh. question about it. Yeah, well, okay, yeah. We're going <laughs> straight across the board, like, characters. of Yes, she definitely... I, again, I was getting stuck in the film world, but you're right. Yeah. Because the uh, film Buffy, no. No. No, no, no. no. Buffy's TV Buffy. Yeah. Film Buffy, not good. TV Buffy, comic Buffy. Yeah. yeah. I love Buffy. Because she's just like so... Like her progression is great. Even like I love season six, which a lot of people don't like. When she's depressed. like Yeah, no, that's amazing. It's, it's mm. It was dealt with so subtly and mm-hmm. so well. Yeah. Because she's dealing... You're... She's trying to fight through this thing that is so psychological and yeah. she gave a face to it. Yeah. So just like battling those monsters and those internal monsters. Yeah. Forever Queen Buffy. <laughs> Patron saint of the podcast. Yes. Ashley. Well, mine's kind of stereotypical, but it, I mean, Star Wars is why I wanted to do movies in general because it's fun. It's sci-fi. You had a female character who had a mouth on her and I tend to have a mouth. Oh, really? So... <laughs> If you didn't know. So mine is Princess Leia. Or General Leia Oregana. I'm going to go with, um, well, Buffy, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with Candace, the sister on Phineas and Ferb. She puts up with so oh much crap. Oh, my God. I love this choice. <laughs> she puts up with so much crap. She's just a regular teen, but she's got these two genius brothers who mean no harm. Like, they're just kind of doing they're their thing. do things. But she knows that... Anything she does that might look like she's disobeying, like she's trying to be the perfect kid, but she'll get called out for it. And mom and dad never yell at the other two. Mm. And and she means well, too. She doesn't dislike her brothers. She just gets annoyed that they get away with everything. And she has the unfortunate snuffleupagus syndrome where the minute she tries to point out, look, look right over there. There's the crazy thing. Look at what they're doing. It's gone. It's gone. Mm. And she just continually looks like she's insane. (laughs) (laughs) Yet she still manages to live her life and have her boy crush. Yeah. Cool. Next question is from Joy Sandwich Podcast. Is there a movie you like but feel like a bit more rom or a bit more calm would make it truly perfect? Um... So it has to be a, a rom-com. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not necessarily no. no. It'd just be a movie. But if it was just a little bit more romantic, it'd be perfect. Or if it was a little more... I mean, a lot of things, a lot of movies, if they were just funnier, it'd I think be it was. I yeah. think what you're thinking of is you have to be thinking of a good, like, plat drama, platonic dram- dram- yeah. drama. Mm-hmm. And now a little more rom and calm could punch that up. And are there platonic dramas? I feel like we've actually answered this question before. Yeah. Yeah, like when we get a movie on our on our list and we're like, eh, it wasn't really a rom. Which I think comedy. the biggest one that I think needs a bit more rom and com was uh, Can't Buy Me Love mm. with Patrick Dempsey. Patrick Dempsey's character was so good in the beginning. Yeah. And then they ruined him. Oh, yeah. He becomes an absolute yeah. unlikable prick by the end. Yeah. yeah. Which is unbelievable, actually. Like, it's not, that's the problem. Like, you don't see how, yeah. I get that the, you know, absolute power corrupts, but boy, there was nothing 
There the, was nothing the, where his the confidence. Bolo tie. Oh, uh, yeah. The level of confidence that he suddenly <laughs> yeah, had. like has, and it was like it was there all the time, and look like I'm the greatest. And then she realizes, like, well, I realize how vapid I was being about things, and I was very shallow. But you always had some good in you, yeah. and now I ruined you almost. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I don't I know. Let she, you prostitute me. Yeah, everything. Yeah, that really. <laughs> yeah. In the end, that's yeah. really. It's yeah. really what it is. It's a film about prostitution. Yes, and people seem to eat that up. Uh, yeah, you know, d- uh, pretty woman. <laughs> it's like people love the hooker with the hotter gold. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, next question from Shake and Not Nerd: If you could have one on-screen prop from any movie, what would it be and why? Oh my God! Hinkley's got answers. Oh, <laughs> but I got to pick one. Yeah. Uh, crap. From a movie? <laughs> From yeah. a movie. Not television, movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. A prop. 100%. My number one, Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters proton pack. Oh. Oh, absolutely. I know someone who has one. This is one of those situations where I'm like, I have forgotten every favorite thing I like. Yeah. yeah. Something from Serenity, maybe? <laughs> I mean, like, from the from Firefly, the show, I'd want, like, the button, the big mm-hmm. button that brings them all back. That'd be mm. cool, but that's not in the movie. I feel like just for reasons, I would want Mr. Pointy from Buffy. Maybe like a blaster or like a full-on stormtrooper suit. That could be cool. Ooh. Han Solo's blaster is a really Just Han Solo. I just want Han Solo. Can <laughs> I have him? He's your favorite yeah. movie prop? Yeah. He... Frozen and carbonite? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I want him. Just on thaw and when ready. Yeah. Our next question is from Amanda from Amanda's Picture Show A Go-Go. I love her title. Yeah. What two characters from any rom-com would you combine to make the perfect couple? Now, I've thought about this, and I'm like, wait a minute. The point of rom-coms is that they are the perfect, perfect couple. Yeah. Hmm. So, Until the sequel, in which case yeah. something has made so one of the characters disappear. Rom-com. No, I was thinking it could be from rom-coms where we watch where they don't get together in the end. We've watched some. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Harold and Maude. Like, but- <laughs> The, um, the way that Maude leaves is perfect. Yeah. Can't, uh, but what about Harold? Who's Who could Harold match up? Or um, My Best Friend's Wedding with Julia Roberts there at the end. Personally, I would have I would pick to match George up with someone. Ooh. I wanted a movie about George from My Best Friend's Wedding. Is George... Rupert Everett. Rupert Everett's character. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. right. He is the best part of that movie. Everything I, else sucks. And it's all about like weird rape and gender roles and weirdness mm-hmm. who's the new bride who's the is uh, it? it's Cameron Diaz Cameron Diaz that's right I saw that in the theater the weekend it came out because my best friend from high school and I had the uh, best friend's wedding deal if when we both hit I remember her calling me at work on summer break being like when we hit 30 if we're not married we're marrying each other 30 she said you know at that time it sounded like that was decade that was like yeah. well it was a decade away but it felt like this is gonna be forever. this forever away and then I, I will forever feel like uh, she got married in, out of spite. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, God, I made that deal. I have to get out of this. Even though I know she's got a very happy life and they're great people and all that. I know it was just to, to not uh-huh. have it's to deal re- with it's this. It's revenge marriage. Revenge yep. marriage. That's revenge that's, marriage right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's what I need to do. I need to revenge yeah. marry. Yeah. Uh, okay, so if we're going to go with Harold, I'm going to go with Harold because I actually have a good one for this. Um, Zoe Deschanel's character from Failure to Launch would get together with Harold because she is so wackadoodle and she's obsessed with like death. Oh, that would work. Yeah, right? Yeah. They would like totally get be happy together. Now in this universe, has Harold aged appropriately <laughs> from yes. the end of that movie? Yes, yes. Well, not just They're that. Like- I mean like, because he'll still be older than her. Oh, 
Which isn't a problem, but that's what I'm asking. Like, would he be as you know him then, or would it be like in actual chronological time? Ooh, that's a good question. He's now in his 40s and along comes... Let's just go with young Harold and old Zoe. I feel like that would work. Okay. So somehow she gets in a time Well, because he likes the older women. Right. Okay. He does, yeah. Yeah. So time uh, time frame is not a factor. No. (laughs) Characters exist out of time. Oh, okay. Our next question is from Noelle. And she asks, what is your favorite rom-com not filmed on American soil? Roman Holiday. I was going to say, this is an easy one. Yeah, Roman Holiday. Holiday. (laughs) Absolutely love Roman Holiday. Mm, I was going to say Forget Paris, but uh, that was probably filmed here. Um, But I'd also say like uh, The Princess Bride was filmed in England. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can do (gasps) any of those. Notting Hill. There you go. (laughs) We have another question from Noelle. What's a rom-com that you love and hate yourself for it? Hinkley hates none. No, that's not true because <laughs> two weeks, two, two weeks, weeks notice. notice. Yeah. Again, I'm back to the Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock, but I mean, it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> but man, the bit about him trying to pick out the envelopes for the, for the company and he's just lost. He's like, which, which one do you like better? And she licks them both. And she says, this one tastes better. And he wouldn't have thought of it that way. He was like, which one do you like the feel of this paper? You like feel this paper. Oh no, this one tastes better. And he's like, <laughs> You know, it's kind of got a point, but that that kind of absurdity and that he was his character throughout the whole thing is so oblivious to how much he really does need her just in his entire life. Yeah. And her. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's ever really made clear that she's been burning a candle for him or maybe it's the other way around. But I don't, I don't know if they both realize, oh. We both kind of like each other a lot mm. by the end of that movie, but it's not one mo- most people have seen. Mine's similar. Yeah. Oh, what you got? Made in Manhattan. Oh. With Voldemort and J Lo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's terrible, like mm-hmm. story wise. It's just terrible, but I think it's just fun. It's just so ridiculous and has great it has great side characters i i will watch it anytime it's on television and i hate myself for it we've got three questions from katie rochelle but she is a long time listener of yes. us like she's been with us from the beginning so long time listener first time questioner <laughs> yeah uh her first question is if you could switch places with a rom-com character for a day who would it be great first question <laughs> i i want to go back and i want to be in his girl friday oh yeah i want to be Rosalind russell yeah. let me be her that would that's a great answer you know who I'd switch with? Uh, Tim Robbins, Hudsucker Proxy. Oh. Yep. I like the period piece. It's uh, it's a weird Cohen environment. And Jennifer Jason Lee plays a really great, like, throwback, wacky, um, His Girl Friday kind of mm. kind of part. Can we count um, Josie and the Pussycats as a romantic comedy? Because I've always wanted to be Josie. <laughs> yeah, I think you can. I feel like yeah. you can, yeah. Yeah. Katie's uh, second question has a movie couple slash character inspired you to look at your own life differently or make changes? I feel like when we forced Sam to watch not only Breakfast at Tiffany's, but when Harry met Sally, he analyzed certain things about our relationship and compared it to that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I, because I don't like doing that because I I think that the characters exist in their own little world and they don't, they don't necessarily have the same problems I have. So I don't necessarily like applying that logic to mm. my relationship, which is vastly different than when Harry met Sally. Though oh, also similar. I always compare my life to when Harry met Sally, but I also also always compare my life to high fidelity. 
You just want John Cusack. Yeah. I am like Rob Gordon in that movie. Mm. Like, that is me. Uh, my answer to the question is no. <laughs> You're like, movies are movies. <laughs> yeah, they have no bearing and nor do they reflect the real world. They do. It's just, of course they do. for me, it's <laughs> yeah. like... I can't apply this one thing that ha- or this one plot point in a movie to my life because my life has six other plot points that interact with that plot point and make mm-hmm. it difficult. I think my real answer is I think I do that with every movie. I think it's hard not to put your I think yeah. I think it's any hard movie that yourself, yourself if a movie grips you, you look for the things that uh, if you see yourself in certain things or perfect example, I I rewatched Inner Space not that long ago and I found myself thinking like Oh, I'm Martin Short in this movie. Like I'm that kind of guy who's like kind of like anxiety ridden and nebbishy. But if just a, if somebody injected a tiny spaceship into me and they could control my thoughts, then hell, I'd grow up and be a lot, uh, a lot more uh, brash. I guess if we're gonna go like I put myself in that character's shoes, I would go with uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character in Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, that's I true. think that would be me. Katie also asks, if you could practice your self-defense skills on an <laughs> annoying or obnoxious love interest, who would it be and why? Ashley and I took a self-defense class yesterday. You did? Through the union, yeah. Yeah. For the express purposes of taking it out on a, a former a former lover? That's how, no, no. but. <laughs> it helps, though. It helps. <laughs> <laughs> we got to knee a guy full force in the crotch. No, yeah. And Several just times. Like, Do it harder, harder. Yeah. <laughs> was he wearing a cup? Yes, it's giant like foam pad. Okay, all right, good. Everything. Good. No, they want you to. They want <laughs> you to. I actually have. I knew this answer as soon as I saw this tweet last night, and I would. It's gonna be pal Joey because he won't get out of my fucking memory. <laughs> Miles Teller. <laughs> wow, do you not like Miles Teller? Really? What have you got against Miles Teller? His face. You think you got, wow. I, don't, I think he's got an okay face. <laughs> Boyish. Character-wise, it's 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 pal Joe. It just because he was such a dick during the entire movie, and you're supposed to like him because he's like suave and he's Frank Sinatra and all this stuff. But no, he was an absolute motherfucking dick. Yeah. But not because of his face. You, on the other hand. <laughs> I mean, I would probably punch Frank Sinatra in the face if I ever saw him. Ever. Oh, you heard it here first. <laughs> Look out, Frankie. She's coming for you. Zombie Frank Sinatra. Wherever you may be. I, l- I love this idea that uh, that Miles Teller's face just uh, <laughs> gives you uh, agita. It's fine. His his act. He's fine. He's just. I don't. <laughs> he only okay. has one facial expression. Yeah. Mm. To be honest, it's yeah. it's literally it's that one facial expression. <laughs> Try it at home, kids, but not in front of Justine. <laughs> Unless you like kissing a shovel. This next question is from Jaslyn from High Expectations Podcast. Hi. She asks, when you think of a famous dick pic, what's the first one that comes to mind? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean... My answer is going to be very different than anyone else here, but... <laughs> Orlando Bloom. <laughs> Literally the first one that came to mind when he got caught on the surfboard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was working on a home improvement show. It, it was a, a, a design show with a former athlete as the designer. One of the producers I worked with, he started getting flirty with her on set, and she was fine with it to a point. 
and then started getting more and more texts that were not work related. And one day we were sitting in the edit bay and she looks down at the phone and then is like, oh my God. And then she hands it to me. <laughs> like, you deal with this. <laughs> and I looked down and there was uh, there there was famous athlete in a bathtub. Oh man. From just waist, waist down, down <laughs> sticking out of the water. Oh no. Which had to have been either the water level was very low <laughs> or he was like Propped doing some up. kind of like uh, stretching, but like <laughs> arching his back or whatnot. But that's that's the memory I have. So, you know, uh, look up my resume and uh, mm-hmm. maybe you'll figure out who I may have been talking about. Ooh, Ooh. intrigue. Yep. If you do figure it out, find the photo and tweet it to <laughs> at the cutaways. Is that what it is? At cutaways podcast. At cutaways podcast. <laughs> you are going to regret this. Miles Teller is going to send you a no. dick pic. <laughs> uh, it only has the one expression. Okay, we have another question from Peter. The question is, your favorite cinematic Asian character? Short round. Ooh. That's a good one. That is a good one. I just want to pick like Aziz Ansari because I just binge watched this season two of Master of None this weekend and I love him. Yeah. Rufio. Rufio. Oh. Rufio. I love Dante Bosco. Oh my God. I love him so much. I follow him on Twitter and I follow him on Tumblr. Mm. That's yeah. one of those movies. Rufio is one of those characters where if you were that right age when it came out, that is your heartthrob. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is your childhood throb. I was beyond that impressionable state when that movie came out. Oh, also... Uh, being a boy, I wasn't as interested. <laughs> but those two factors contributed heavily to me not having the same fondness for the film. Oh, as much I as I liked t- Tinkerbell, Julia Roberts at the time. From So I Married a Movie Geek podcast, Pine, Evans, Hemsworth, or Pratt, which do you take in the all-important battle of the Chris's? Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Which I'm... one's Chris Pine? Chris Pine was in Wonder Woman. Okay, he's Star, Star Trek. Trek. Star Trek. Chris Evans is Captain America. Yes. Hemsworth is Thor. Thor, and then there's Chris Pratt, who is Guardians. Guardians. Chris Pine, one hundred percent, not even a question. Chris Pine, he can sing, he can play Captain Kirk. He has been like one of my biggest crushes since he was in Princess Diaries two, where he played the evil prince, and he has been in many musicals. So Chris Pine, I'm going with Chris Pratt. Because I love him and Parks and Rec. Yeah, Chris Pratt, I feel like I would love hanging out with him. On the other hand, my hometown uh, pride gives me Chris Evans because, you know, Massachusetts boy. <laughs> and I heard he's pretty cool to hang out with. And He's um, very chill, he seems. And one of my, I just found out that one of my friends dated his sister forever and just mm. recently broke up. Oh, that's wow. so sad. And I was like, oh, you've known, like, they've known each other for, now I can't remember which friend that is. Also, maybe this, I've just uh, made that up, and maybe none of that happened, <laughs> yeah. it was just in a dream, and I really should not be spreading Hollywood gossip. <laughs> but here you are. Oh. Yeah. Here I am. Here you are. Last question from the Indoors Woman podcast. What would be your ideal genre to cross over with a rom-com? Superhero? Mystery? Sci-fi? Zombie, Western, or fantasy? Western. A Western rom-com. Western rom-com, yep. With the hooker, with the heart of gold. That's pretty much what's going to end up happening. There weren't a lot of roles for women. She either runs the hotel or she runs the brothel. Oftentimes, it's both. I go with sci-fi because I love sci-fi. I feel like a mystery rom-com would be really interesting. Who's in love with me? (laughs) Well, uh, like, I I love, like... (laughs) reading and listening to mysteries just because they're fun and 
you get this weird sense of, I guess, trying to figure the puzzle out. But I don't know. Something about having a romantic comedy as well as a mystery at the same time really intrigues me. It's a lot like Charade. Ooh, yeah. You should watch Haunted Honeymoon and see if you still feel the same way. Gene Wilder and then-wife really uh, Gilda though? Radner. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, there's a mystery of the haunting of the of the house or whatnot or what's really. It's a very Scooby-Doo style mystery. Gotcha. But also romantic comedy. I guess I just described Maverick, really. <laughs> that's sort of like Western rom-com action. Sweet. That was all of our questions in our mailbag for our anniversary special. It's a full mailbag. I would like uh, to talk about a review we got recently. Oh, yeah, we got reviews. Somebody reviewed us on Apple Podcasts, gave us five stars. Five stars out of how many stars? Five. Five out of five. That's the most stars. (laughs) This is from Film Rose Podcast. The title of this review is Rom-Com Reviews with a Twist. These ladies are a lot of fun. Not only do they actually have film experience, but these two friends have such great chemistry that the show is entertaining the whole way through. Discussing rom-coms may not seem exciting in a general sense, but these two make it fun. They poke fun at the male gaze. They crack jokes about man butts. And and you get a great modern day view of rom-coms from actual females. (laughs) <laughs> Highly recommend if you love some good film talk. Uh, thanks for leaving us that review. He's going to come in. He's going to bring you like a framed picture of Miles Teller and put it on your desk one day. You are. Don't give away my secrets and I won't <laughs> no! give away yours. Here's a secret you know about. They're not friends. They don't care for each other at all. They record nope. their parts separately like the late Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> so next time on the podcast we are watching 1999's never been kissed hey guys you like this podcast (laughs) i bet you did if you want more from us become a patron support us at patreon.com slash cutaways podcast our website is thecutaways.com and you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram as at cutaways podcast Please leave us all your comments and rate us and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or the podcatcher of your choice. I just redid the website, so it looks prettier now. Yeah. Hinkley, did you have fun with us? This was fantastic. Yeah, I love what you do. And I um, I, I apologize that I wasn't as familiar with the format and the show prior no, to now. No. But man, that's some fun stuff. Oh, and now I'm a fan. Thank you. Thank yep. you. And I mean, it's super special having you here on the end of season two, now we're going to begin season, season three. <laughs> Did you guys get a pickup? Oh, congrats. Congrats. <laughs> Hinkley, would you like to pimp out your amazing Twitter? If you're a fan of Twitter, but not a fan of updates, <laughs> then you'll love at Hinkleberg, which is also my Instagram name, which is similarly rarely updated, <laughs> but more frequently than the tweets. <laughs> but your tweets are gold. Uh, enjoy that. And uh, you can also uh, find me in my apartment. Yep. Don't. Don't. <laughs> well, thanks for joining our slumber party. Thank Yay. you for having me. Yeah. I wish I had worn pajamas. That I wish I'd worn anything. <laughs> and I'm really sorry about, about this. I'm really sorry you, about this. You just really wanted yeah. to capture the essence oh, of she's, she's all that. that. She's all that. Yep. Yep. The and, soccer ball and everything. Yep. And this mesh chair has <laughs> left the grid marks on my man butt. Hinkley, you are all that. Uh, aw. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
Welcome to Mental Dam, a barrier method for consuming entertainment in 2017. I'm Krista Jarzinski. And I'm Helen Sharma. Welcome to our trailer where we talk to you about the thing that we do. Krista, do you want to do the mission and I'll do the parameters? Yeah, so here was the idea. I thought that in 2017 I would only watch movies created by women about women. I got the idea from Elena Ferrante's Neapolitan novels. It's four books. They're wonderful. Um, In one of the books, I believe the third one, she writes like a small feminist paper uh, publication about how women's voices or women's characters or identities have for so long been dictated by men because men were primarily the people who wrote back then. So I thought, wow, that would be a really good experiment in 2017 to just like watch movies made by women. Then I asked Helen if she wanted to join, and we expanded, <gasps> expanded the definition. We expanded it of what we intended to do. Expanded like a dying star. Yeah. So let's go through the parameters. All right. So parameters. Parameters. Um, I've been doing that voice a lot. We're cool. Like in professional settings, and it's not like going that well for me. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not getting traction. No, it's one of my skills on LinkedIn, which might be why I still don't have a job. So everything's great. Um, so the parameters, we will only watch movies and TV shows written by women or gender nonconforming folks where the protagonist is a woman or a gender nonconforming person. Yes, so time out. I want to draw attention to this because at first I was just going to focus on women and when Helen joined on the project, she said, well, what about gender nonconforming people? And so we talked about what that meant and what kind of language we wanted to use. We didn't want to say like non-men, although that's kind right. of what we're going for. That's basically the idea, yeah. Yeah, but why does everything have to be about its relation to men? Oh, it doesn't! It doesn't! <laughs> okay, so go on. So only watch movies and TV shows. Written by and starring protagonist, woman, or gender nonconforming person. Um, that same rule now applies to books. So we will only read books written by women or gender nonconforming folks where the protagonist is a woman or a gender nonconforming person. Um, that also applies to podcasts, so they have to be created by and hosted by women or GNC folks. Um, male guests are fine. So those are like the, the main parameters, and we're focusing really on TV and movies, books, and podcasts. And then if those things have an ensemble cast or like a group of writers, any of those groups has to be at least half women and or gender nonconforming folks. This only applies to media consumed for entertainment. So anything that's like educational media, so news or articles or like educational books can be created by anybody. That stuff will continue to consume and process in our brain sickles. Yes, because even though this this project shifted a little bit, or it didn't shift, but it took on a definitely different meaning for me when Trump got elected yeah. president, thinking about like the next year and how I'll be able to immerse myself in content created by and about women and gender nonconforming folks mm-hmm. took on an even more importance than I intended in the first place. Totally. But even though I wish I could just disappear under um, good creative fictional situations and never look at what's actually happening... We need to stay aware and stay involved and keep resisting. Stay woke, friends. <laughs> yeah, so. that's definitely how I feel about it. Except that this project is going to be so fun and we're going to have the best time. And we hope that anybody who has stumbled across our um, this media file in the year 2300 is willing to hang out with us. So great. Yes. I think that's it. We will list the we'll list each of the podcast episodes um, a couple weeks before we plan to record them, so that if you want to play along, you can follow the bouncing ball and um, read what we read, <laughs> or watch what we read, watch or listen to what we listen to. 
and then you'll know what we're talking about. Or you can just use it as like a gateway to some different content you haven't consumed. Totally. However, I think there will be spoilers in every episode. So just yeah. have that in mind if you see that the title is something that you don't want spoiled. So we hope you'll join us. Our first episode will be premiering Monday, January 30th. It is in post-production as we speak. Post-production. We'll link to it on our website, which is mentaldam.com. M-E-N-T-A-L-D-A-M.com. Um, and even if you don't want to listen to our podcast, go to the website anyway. It's weird and funny. Yeah, we're delights. So I'm Helen. I'm Krista. Don't die. We've only just started. 